0: Welcome back to Chris and Reggie's Cosmic Treadmill, episode number 117, where we go back, back to, the, to past the past and read a comic book from the yesteryear of publishing. You can find us every Sunday on chrisandreggie.podbean.com, or pick, subscribe to us via iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and by the Green Flame. Ooh. Mm.
1: Yes, this week we are going to wrap up our four-part look at Hal Jordan's Action Comics exploits. Uh, these were all depicted in Action Comics Weekly issues 10, oh, I'm sorry, 601 to 642. This week we're going to be looking at issues 636 to 642 plus. Green Lantern Special Number 2 from 1989. Yep. But first, a little bit of a recap attack here. Uh, you can check out our first two episodes of this series for all the lead-up to Action Comics becoming a weekly title and Hal Jordan becoming its featured player. Uh, in Action Comics Weekly 601 through 635 and Green Lantern Special Number 1 is uh, what we've done thus far. And we've got the death of Kat Matui. In the very first issue, Action Comics Weekly 601, Hal and his squeeze Aresia are crashing at John and Katma's apartment. The star Sapphire visits while Hal's out stealing African diamonds, and she kills Katma Tui. Now, this would lead to a fight between Hal and Carol, during which an F-14 crash landed. Uh, John Stewart was the only public Green Lantern. His identity was known publicly. Mm-hmm. And so he was hauled in front of a Senate hearing. And during that trial, it was made to appear as though he killed Carol Ferris, and he's arrested.
0: So then the next arc was uh, called Oprah and Mind Games. In light of John's arrest, people grew to fear the Green Lantern, and this also carried over now to Hal Jordan. Anyone anyone with the right uh, <laughs> chest uh, logo will do. Prompted by Aresia, Hal would appear on the Oprah Winfrey show to do some damage control. This leads to him learning that his power ring altered his mind by removing his c- capacity for fear. It gave him a little lobotomy or something. Uh, during this arc, he'd face off with a villain called Mind Games, who'd turn uh, random Chicagoans into maniacs to get what he wants. Uh, during this final confrontation,
1: Hal was forced to face all of his troubled
0: emotions.
1: Yes, now uh, while they were in Chicago visiting Oprah, uh, Arisia became a model Uh, One of her first gigs was at a tech expo, which was hijacked by a group of villains called The Freak Show They worked for a shadowy woman that Hal almost fell for, and uh, Hal and Arisia did break up during this arc Mm -hmm. Now running alongside all of this was a story in Green Lantern Special Number 1 that uh, was heavily heavily apartheid-based here Yes Uh, John Stewart would be extradited to South Nambia on charges that he was the one who robbed the diamond mine. Of course, that was Hal, but since John was public, John got nabbed. (laughs) I mean, uh, (laughs) it. I'm sorry, go ahead. What a rotten way. It really is. Uh, Now, Hal would uh, feel bad and give John a power ring that was imbued with half of his own ring's energy. After a particularly nasty beating by prison guards, John used it to destroy the very prison he was being held in.
0: He tried to reject it at first, but then uh, he figured. What am I rejecting? Let's get with it. So, (laughs) John joined up with a revolutionary named Dorian and agreed to spoil a government festival during which a pair of tankers were going to be revealed. But Dorian had bombs planted out of the tankers in case John got a case of cold feet and backed out. Hal stops John before he can act, and Dorian's plan, plan B goes into effect. And John is not cool with that. He does not like being played, nor does he like the massive amounts of destruction. So he flies out into space to clear his head. Uh, Next we go into an arc we're calling the blowed up battery Hal's battery, his power battery with which he charges his ring every 24 hours Explodes, revealing a yellow energy beam leading into space He follows it and winds up meeting an alien named Priest on a war-torn planet Hal intervenes during a peace summit to ensure the warring factions make nice And they decide the enemy of my enemy is my friend And they vow to kill Green Lantern But they vow to do it together And that's what Yes.
1: That the, the friendship
0: forever. That's right.
1: Uh, Hal, you know, job well done. He heads home and he crosses paths with a wooden shrine. He helps it land in Big Trees, California, so it might repair itself. But it turns out the passenger of this shrine is a pretty dangerous dude. Captain Adam stuck his nose into the proceedings and quarreled with Hal for something like 25 it issues. right. Like never yeah, ended no, On and on and on. <laughs> oh, same thing over and over. Uh, now he finally steps aside and lets Hal take care of business. Only once back in space, Hal is snapped up in a warp, where he meets Lord Malvolio. He and Malvolio fight, during which Hal's power ring is destroyed. Hal still manages to defeat Malvolio, and even steals the big guy's ring so he can make it home. Which is exactly what Malvolio wanted to happen. Mm, oh, now, Isn't it? Now that brings us right up to now. The next issue, Action Comics Weekly number 636, January 24th, 1989 No Green Lantern feature Mm. Hmm, The next week, Action Comics Weekly 637, January 31st, 1989
2: No Green Lantern feature
0: Action Comics Weekly number 638 On sale February 7th, 1989 No Green Lantern once again but then, on Action Comics Weekly number six thirty nine, that was on sale February twenty first, nineteen eighty nine, uh, because it had missed Valentine's Day cover date, which would have shipped actually shipped between the week between Christmas and New Year's, and this was a time that DC, I think Marvel would also take off back in back the day, in the right? day. Yeah, do probably. That. Now, now they trickle out like two or three comics you don't want to <laughs> read anyway, but there's something. <laughs> but uh, there is something. There in is the something ship. there. But on in uh, for Action Comics Weekly number six thirty nine. There was no Green Lantern.
1: No, no. Action Comics Weekly six forty, February twenty eighth, nineteen eighty nine. Still no how. And then Action Comics Weekly number six forty one, March seventh, nineteen eighty nine yet another no hal jordan feature wow but we do come to green lantern special number 2 1989 cover date this one does feature green lantern go figure uh, <laughs> a special green lantern now this uh, this story is called the invincible foe it's by James Owsley Dan Raspler and MD Bright and uh, we've covered uh, at least two of these guys okay. a lot, so we'll, uh, we'll truncate as much as possible. Uh, James Christopher Owsley, born June 30th, 1961 in Hollis, Queens. We now know him as Christopher Priest. He entered comics as an intern at Marvel in 1978 and then joined their staff, edit, their editorial staff in 1979. He is the first African-American editor in the comic book industry. He'd assist Larry Hama on the Conan titles, and he made his professional writing debut with the first issue of the Falcon miniseries. That that series ran four issues, November 1983 through February 1984 cover dates, and he would go on to be named the full editor of the Spider-Man comic line from 1985 to
0: 1986. Professional and personal disagreements eventually led to his leaving Marvel Editorial. Priest continued writing for Marvel even after Jim Shooter's departure, but he felt things were too tense there to keep soliciting work. His writing tenure on Power Man and Iron Fist concluded with number 125 that had a September 1986 cover date. Then, a pair of stints as writer of Green Lantern and Action Comics Weekly... But you already knew that. We've been reading that now for four <laughs> this is the fourth week, so that's this yes. is where you ended up. Dan Raspler was born during the twentieth century, we are pretty sure. He mm-hmm. served as an editor for some titles, including JLA, Batman, Action Comics, Detective Comics, and many, many more. His first job was on Green Lantern Special No. 1, December 1988, by Priest and Todd Smith, edited by Raspler. Raspler under Danny O'Neill. And He'd provide the plot assist on Green Lantern's special number two. Must have done a good job. Yeah. Uh, while we're here, Dan uh, co-designed the game uh, Space Cadets Away Missions for Stronghold Games, released in 2015, and he's the cousin of writer Chris, Chris Claremont's current wife, Beth Fleischer. He'd also co-create Young Heroes in Love, which you can hear all about in Cosmic Treadmill, episode 87, available in the archives.
1: We don't really get to nod to that one very no, often. No, so. but while, while
0: we get the chance, sure.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, across the table from both those gentlemen, Mark D. M. D. Bright was born in 1955 and he grew up in Montclair, New Jersey. Graduated from the Pratt Institute with a Bachelor of Fine Arts degree in 1974. His earliest work was a three-page story in DC's House of Mystery. This was in 1978. His first regular gig was penciling the Falcon limited series for Marvel, which, as we just mentioned, was written by Jim Owsley. Bryce would have, Bright would have runs on Power Man and Iron Fist, Iron Man, and this very Green Lantern feature in Action Comics Weekly, and also, I guess, Green Lantern Special Number 2. That's right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> now we open deep in space, and all eyes are on a large red robot which we know is is known as a seeker. Uh, it's not exactly clear when this story occurs. It might just be when Hal is leaving Malvolio and Priest Sector, which uh, we discussed last week. The Seeker says,
0: "Attention, alien vessel. I am Seeker. Query: Where is Green Lantern?"
1: Now, when the bot doesn't receive the answer at once from this armada, it blows the entire thing up.
0: Whoa! The Seeker strikes with great ease and totally without mercy. It uses the merest fraction of its
1: power. And the Seeker flies off to continue its mission to kill
0: Green Lantern. And uh, just in case we aren't sure who Green Lantern is in this case, we get a quick primer via some video monitors. Green Lantern is, of course, Hal Jordan, the uh, man responsible for blowing off the roof of a certain arena a little while back during some would-be peace talks.
1: Yeah, Hal goes, now are we going to coexist amicably,
0: or are we going to coexist amicably? That's not really giving them that much of a choice, is it?
1: We said that last week.
0: Yeah, that's kind of a line of his, doesn't he? He does that a lot. <laughs> uh, the video monitor belongs to Janelle, that yellow alien we discussed last week, the one with the horrible Dusty Rhodes voice.
1: <laughs> now he is contacted via videophone by his new bestie, Hedron.
0: Hedron says, Blast him, Janelle! I know you're there! Answer!
2: Yes, my old friend! What can I do for you, Hedron?
0: The seeker, Janelle! It is out of control! We must recall it immediately.
1: Ah, so the Seeker must be that ultimate weapon they discussed creating. I
0: get quite a weapon. The nerd, I guess it does destroy armada, <laughs> though, so that's all. <laughs> yes. Uh, Janelle plays along with the conversation, but he has no designs on deactivating that Seeker. In fact, he's not sure they haven't gone far enough. He leaves his post to check on the status of... Seeker two Ooh.
2: Yes, he th- he thinks to himself, recall this Seeker. Ha! In fact the Seeker in Russell are deadly enough. That is why, unbeknownst to the soft hearted Hedron, I've commissioned this Seeker Two. Far more deadly, far more dangerous, devoid of Hedron's modified influence.
0: Uh, as a few yellow technicians tinker with Seeker two, it kills them. <laughs>
1: I'm liking this one more already Yeah, really, this one
2: seems
0: to get getting right to the point I like it it's...
1: Now we join Hal, who is landing on some space rock That Priest is hanging out on uh, He is still looking for that wooden shrine
0: The what? Oh, yeah, right, oh, that thing
1: Yeah, Yeah. now Hal says Not a sign of it, Priest I've searched high and low for that alien shrine I was chasing before Lord Malvolio snatched me Into this space sector And
0: Priest says
1: You have done
0: your best, Hal Jordan no, being could ask more of you.
1: No, that's what we in the biz call, sweeping it under the rug.
3: Exactly.
1: <laughs> we're never going to hear about that thing again. Uh, now, Al questions whether or not he's done enough, and he reflects on how the Guardians of the Galaxy chose him and gave him an awesome wait, wait, responsibility.
0: Uh, the uh, the Guardians of the what now?
1: The Guardians of the Galaxy, you know, the little blue dudes.
0: I thought those were the uh, the fellows from Marvel, you know, they got... Uh... They got a talking raccoon on the team, right? And a tree? No, nah, you,
1: you gotta be mistaken. There were three editors on this book. They can't all be wrong, could they?
0: Yeah, you're probably right.
1: Yeah, yeah he wouldn't make that kind of mistake. <laughs> now, uh, Priest then shares a bit about his time as a Green Lantern.
3: I became one with the Green Forest and
0: transcended many of the pitfalls you must now face. I became the greatest of all Green Lanterns.
1: Also, the humblest
0: Until the day I challenged the Guardian's wisdom And was banished to this asteroid
1: Hmm, I wonder if that'll come up again
0: Probably not nah. no. uh, Days <laughs> later, Hal is back in Coast City Hard at work in a Ferris flight simulator He's interrupted by a dude called Hawk
2: yeah, of goes, course. Hal Jordan <laughs> Just got a love letter from our lawyer Seems the airline that contracted us to test out that prototype jet a while back got their nose all out of joint about that blowed up engine. News flash flyboy, they're blaming you.
0: Is what is he, an airplane mechanic? Now what's what is that about? Yeah,
1: I mean, if we're not mistaken, he just flies the thing, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, we really now.
1: <laughs> you know, if he if he like ran it into a mountainside or something, sure, blame him, but yeah. Engine, failure, engine would, failure
0: would be that That would not be a human failure I would think Unless Or, or someone who turns a wrench I mean... Maybe he <laughs> dropped some cheese whiz in there I don't know we don't know what happened so that,
1: hap- that I, I spilled soda on my Nintendo that one, That'll and... do it you
0: know that'll yeah. knock it right out
1: Now either way Hal's on this fella's S list and he is booted From the sim uh, He heads into an office and chats up his Quote best friend Chip And that's of course not the squirrel
0: The best friends now wow, They're moving fast yeah, they are. Didn't we just meet this guy, like, an issue ago? Which, granted, was, like, two months ago in, in uh, <laughs> Action Comics Weekly time. Uh, so, suddenly, they are interrupted by a giant projection of a Guardian. Star-Lord or Charlie 27? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Guardian says, <laughs> Green Lantern, avoid. Report to Oa at once. Bring the boy with you. The boy. Yeah, that didn't age well, you know, when we look <laughs> back on that. Uh-uh. So, Hal and Chip head directly to Oa. Meanwhile, the Seeker blows up a satellite because those on board didn't know where the Green Lantern was. You figured the word would be out by now and they would just lie, right? They'd you be just like, point they'd be that like oh, he's uh, a million miles that way, you know?
1: <laughs> now, Hal and Chip arrive on Oa and they meet with a guardian of the universe, who isn't the old timer. Whoa! I mean, you could have fooled us. They all look the same. To That's us. pretty old. To uh, me, but I'm sorry. <laughs> now he has a demand to make of Hal.
0: We have returned to this place to deal with the severe consequences of a Green Lantern's actions.
2: But what? What did I do?
0: You are not the Green Lantern of whom I speak, Hal Jordan. I refer to a former Green Lantern. I refer to Brieşt. You are hereby ordered to kill him.
1: Hal is not digging that idea. He says, "Forget it. I'm no murderer."
0: Oh? What of Sinestro, Bubula?
1: That, 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 was, that was different. Kinda,
0: but not really. Still, yeah, there was a corpse, right? You still killed them, uh, you know, by the order of the Guardian, so yeah. Uh, that was the whole crew that was involved, though, you're right. That wasn't yeah. just how. And so the Guardian raises the stakes, a binding chip, in an emerald construct tomb of sorts.
2: What are you doing? Let him go, or, or so help me.
0: I fear you may already be corrupted by priest's influence. This, this is why it is incumbent upon you to deal with this crisis. A Greenlander cannot allow personal prejudice to influence his judgment. In your hands is a great responsibility. That responsibility is not limited only to your friends. That is specifically why your young friend's life is now in jeopardy. This is no, not only a te- test of loyalty, but one of character. For the great the good, Hal Jordan, priest must die.
1: That, that's kind of how I figure Julius Schwartz sounds. And, I'm trying, beautiful. I'm yeah.
0: trying. I really, I'm not, <laughs> it's perfect. The voice, you know, I'm, I'm having vo- vocal troubles, but I'm doing what I can.
1: <laughs> now, Hal heads into space in order to track down priest, hopeful that together they might find a way around actually killing him. Along the way, Hal is blasted in the back by the Seeker. Yeah, come on. Which, I mean, come on, Hal. I mean, what the one thing Malvolio told you, never show your back.
0: The Seeker says, Attention, alien creature. I am the Seeker. Query, are you, Green Lantern?
1: Hal thinks to himself, if I say yes, do I get a prize? Come on, Hal,
0: I think we all know the answer to that right there.
1: I, it just blasted you in the back, is that a prize?
0: Uh, you yeah. know, come on now, this isn't, this isn't a friendly conversation you have. No. So Hal dodges the Seeker's blast and distracts it enough so that it gets bashed in the face with an asteroid.
1: They sure don't make Sentinels like they used to.
0: Yeah, oh, well. they used to just go after the mutants. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> uh, soon, Hal arrives at Priest's Rock and explains the situation.
1: So, uh, what's my next move, priest?
0: I suggest you do as the Guardians ask. What? The Guardians are not incorrect, Hal Jordan. They are far wiser than we. They are aware of forces and balances that our minds cannot begin to comprehend. Just as I am far more evolved than
1: you... Especially in the Humility Department, right?
0: So are the Guardians, infinitely further evolved than I
1: Hal decides, screw it, he's not going to kill Priest Just then, the Seeker returns
0: Hal blasts the bejesus out of it, and when he examines its remains He's surprised to see that the Seeker appeared to be repairing itself
1: This thing is repairing itself, modifying its design to immunize itself against whatever defeated it The thing learns from its mistakes Wish I were that efficient. So do we all, Hal, really, come on. Yes. Uh, and so Hal
0: blasts this through the reeds. <laughs> <laughs> Thinking the danger is fast, Hal goes to walk away, and then he realizes that the Seeker's remains have turned yellow.
1: The essential element of the Seeker's construction, its soul. It's made of gold, yellow metal. My ring can't affect it.
0: Now, wait a second. I thought he was wearing Malvolio's ring. Who? Uh, never mind. Then. Uh, <laughs> the Seeker begins rebuilding itself again, and this time Hal just can't just blast it to bits.
1: Meanwhile, Janelle and Hedron are chatting via video phone.
0: The Seeker is obviously out of control and must be recalled immediately.
1: I could not
2: agree more, friend. Please come right over. I'll send someone to greet your shuttle.
0: And it's clear at this point that Seeker 2 is fully operational. Mm-hmm. We rejoin Hal as he's being choked out by original recipe seeker, but it's not going for the kill
1: And I'm picturing like Hedron and Janelle playing like that mystery date board game Yeah, you know, he's
0: like. just flipping the head the faces <laughs> down
1: there. Yeah, they have the, the fake plastic phones, just that, right. good old slumber buddy uh, Now Hal, like we said here, Hal is uh, being choked out by the seeker and he thinks to himself My ring's force field is buckling, hard to breathe, wait This thing can destroy whole space, armadas. Why is it taking so long to strangle me?
0: And then suddenly a video monitor opens in the Seeker's chest, and on it
2: is Janelle. The fact that you're seeing this pre-recorded announcement means you're about to die, Green Lantern.
0: Hal assumes that the Yellow Geek just wants to rub it in a bit before the Seeker pops his head like a grape. What Janelle didn't realize, though, is that while the secret itself may be yellow, the video monitor most definitely is not, <laughs> and it gives Hal the perfect, uh, well, only opportunity to blast <laughs> the bot once more and escape. Poor Janelle, hoisted by his own petard! <laughs> yes. uh, elsewhere, Janelle and Hedron are reunited on Celsius 6.
2: Greetings, Hedron! Most valued of my many, 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 many friends!
3: Janelle, your friends are few and far between, and I am comforted
0: to know that I am not among them.
1: That's cold, bro. Yeah, really, shit. He came out to meet your ship. (laughs) Now, uh, back in space, Hal is once again tracked down by... The Seeker, and this time it's armed with like this it's giant bazooka.
0: This looks like, like something for the Incredibles like this robot chops at Acme or something along with yeah. Wily Coyote. Uh the bot takes aim and unleashes a payload in Hal's direction with a Zion The blast misses Hal and hits the moon behind him, shattering it into teeny tiny pieces.
1: Yeah, Hal thinks the moon! That thing destroyed its own planet's moon! Without the moon's gravitational balance, Celsius 6 will be ripped apart by natural disasters. Floods. Gotta round up the debris. Keep it from raining down on the cities.
0: As Hal gets to work doing just that, guess what? The seeker blasts
2: him (laughs) right in the back.
0: He thinks, stupid, turning my back on him You really did not learn a damn thing From your meeting with Malvolio, did
1: you? Told him, he told him one thing
0: Literally, you know? literally he's already got it <laughs> happened Three times, anyway
1: Now, Hal finally recovers And knowing that Janelle was behind its creation He heads to the Yellow Dude's HQ And so we jump to That HQ Head
0: draws there, and he says The moon, Janelle? The Seeker has destroyed your very old moon? Are you insane?
1: Janelle ain't about to hear none of this, and so he takes run into the next room over, where he is introduced to Seeker Number 2. Uh, by now, Hal has made his way inside the compound, and he's hot on the trail of Janelle. And so Janelle seeks uh, six Seeker Number 2 on him. But first, a giant golden fist punches through the facility, grabs Seeker 2, and... Punches it into scrap <laughs> Outside it is OG
0: Seeker And he is huge This is the way brothers are it's just the, <laughs> way it's gonna be. the Seeker says Attention world leader I am the Seeker Query Where is Green Lantern and Janelle responds
1: with a gulp I, I do not
0: know And with that The Seeker blasts Janelle into atoms. Mm-mm. All that's left now are Hal and the Seeker The latter of whom is nearing Galactus-sized proportions uh, Janelle's pre-recorded speech plays again Which gives Priest enough time to enter the scene
1: Yeah, Hal notices and goes Priest, what are you...
0: Your young companion's life hangs in the balance Hal Jordan You must settle this business with the Guardians
2: Priest, I'm not sure if you noticed But I'm a little busy right now
0: Yeah, really, I mean, maybe, maybe the death and carnage Maybe a... <laughs> <laughs> Give me your ring. The seeker has been programmed to destroy the Green Lantern.
3: What if the person it seeks no longer exists?
1: And with that, Hal's ring flies over to Priest, and the seeker depowers. Wait a second. What? I I, I know. Was it I know, was it
0: looking for the ring or Hal?
1: But the ring's still there. And right? Hal's it's,
0: still there, so what is
1: the problem Everybody's here? still there. <laughs> uh, like uh, Then Priest like puts a little hoodoo on it, and the Seeker floats away oh, wow. into a uh, nearby convenient, oh, nearby okay. black hole. <laughs> 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 I don't know. Uh, it's here that Hal realizes that the Seeker wasn't the big threat to the universe. It was actually him. Whoa. Uh, uh, yeah, meta. <laughs> uh, now, Priest uses this to instill into Hal that the greater good is always the most important thing even if that means Hal must kill him. Do what must be done. Hal takes aim with his ring, and uh, that's about it. He doesn't do anything.
0: Just the aiming part. He got that <laughs> That's down. it. Hal heads back to Oa with Priest in tow.
1: Yeah, he says, Well, Guardian, I've made up my mind. I won't do it. If you want Priest dead, you'll have to get someone else to do your dirty work for you.
0: The Guardian reminds Hal that Chip's life hangs in the balance.
1: I can't stop you from killing Chip. It's a sacrifice I'll just have to learn to live with. If that's what you're bent on doing, go ahead. Kill him.
0: After a few panels worth of pause, the Guardian says, Excellent. Simply excellent. Perhaps you are learning after all, Hal Jordan.
1: And with that, the Guardian vanishes. And so too does Oa. The whole thing was a sham? That's it. What the hell? The whole thing's a sham. <laughs> And Hal even picks up on it right away. He says the whole thing was some kind of illusion.
3: Yeah, indeed it was, Hal Jordan. Come, let us journey to the true
1: planet of Oa, where all will be explained. On the real Oa, the easy-riding old-timer greets the crew. Priest, what
0: are you doing here? Did we not banish you to a barren asteroid in your own sector? I've done you a great service, O oh great guardian.
3: A small attempt to atone for my earlier disobedience.
0: This Green Lantern had been exposed to the evil Lord Malvolio. There was every possibility that he was tainted by Malvolio's monstrous hatred. Thus did I perpetuate a small hoax to see if Hal Jordan was indeed fit to remain as a Green Lantern. I am pleased to say that he is.
1: Yeah, check back with them again about five years, pal uh,
0: This is a small hoax, too I mean, you know, you could have a more <laughs> elaborate hoax If it was a mad, 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 mad world What is wrong with you?
1: <laughs> Jack Trippa wouldn't fall for this Good one Good lord <laughs> Now, the old timer, he, he, it's great He just, like, totally blanks uh, like, Priest here He's okay. not impressed at all Cool Uh, Yeah he just fixes his sunglasses And rides away Uh, Priest follows Never to be seen alive again Goodbye priest (laughs) The next time we will see him Is Green Lantern volume 3 number 1 June 1990 cover date
0: As a corpse Well all's well that ends well I guess that's that's all that matters So Hal turns to Chip and suggests they head home Come on Chip Chip says No you come on Hal Game or no whether or not you do it was only a hoax, you told that guy to kill me. I like to think you were bluffing, but we both know better, don't we?
1: Chip, I-, I did
2: what I thought I had to do.
1: I can't apologize for that.
0: No one's asked you to, but those who make any of you right, guess it's all a part of the price you pay to wear the ring.
1: And Chip walks away <laughs> from Hal.
0: are they at Oa? <laughs> I mean, he's eventually going to have to come back and get him, right? What, what, what happens here? I
1: mean, for all we know, this—I mean, this was the last time anyone ever saw the guy, so maybe he's still on Oa. Maybe he opened
0: a hot dog stand. Maybe he, he, he has a have. family. he he's like lives on the far end of it. Yeah, I don't, talk I, about I don't get involved with the guardians, man. I just do my thing. <laughs> uh, anyway, so Action Comics Weekly number six forty-two. the the culmination of the the whole project here. Oh, Magilla, yeah. March 14th, 1989, on sale date. This one's titled, Where There Is a Will, dot, 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 exclamation point, by Elliot S. Magan, Gil Kane, Steve Ditko, Jim Aparo, Kurt Swan, Jim Mooney, and Carmine Infantino. We're only going to be talking about the writer, my folks, because that's a lot of artists to talk <laughs> a lot about. folks. And I was even, I was like, maybe we could do a little bit. Now, you, these are people Kurt Swan, Jim Aparo, Steve you can't just talk a little bit about these people. So uh, hopefully we'll do longer bios for them in the future. But Elliot S. Magan was born November 14th, 1950 in Brooklyn, New York. After having his first prose story published when he was only 17, he broke into comics at the ripe old age of 19. While a junior at Brandeis University in Walton, Massachusetts, Magan was tasked with writing a term paper on the history of media. He'd asked a TA if it would be okay for him to include a comic book script as part of his paper in order to illustrate how comics can be a viable political tool. He was given the okay to do it, and so he wrote an original Green Arrow story called What Can One Man Do? He got a B+, because the TA was of the understanding that Magan was actually going to write and draw the comic.
1: <laughs> that'd be that'd be some dedication to a term paper. <laughs> Come on
0: now, you know, all or nothing. Anyway.
1: Yes. Now, an annoyed Magan would go on to send the script to Carmine Infantino, the then publisher of DC Comics. He would then receive a letter from Julia Schwartz requesting that he try his hand writing some of DC's other characters. He even bought that Green Arrow story after it was shortened to thirteen pages down from its original twenty. What Can One Man Do was drawn by Neil Adams, and it appeared in Green Lantern Green Arrow number eighty-seven, had a cover date of December 71 slash January 72 which is also notable as being the first appearance of John Stewart. Uh, the, the feature story, that right. is. Now, uh, Magan would uh, go on to be one of the main Superman writers during the late Bronze Age, including an imaginary story in Superman number 300, that was June 1976 cover date, which featured Superman arriving on Earth in the then-present day. The story has been cited as an inspiration for Mark Miller's Superman Red Sun that came out in 2003. His contributions to the Superman mythos include Superboy Prime, that was the Superboy who lives on our Earth, and also LexCorp, uh, making Lex a businessman.
0: Superboy Prime, the man that started off Infinity uh, Infinite Crisis, right? Yeah, he, he busted through uh, his, He punched through reality His reality punch did it <laughs> uh, Which he which was not invented by Elliot S. Magan I want to say, just the character <laughs> was made Don't blame him for everything uh, He remained a fairly pr- prolific Contributor to DC Comics outside of the Superman books as well, writing stories For the Batman line of uh, Titles Elliot would also do a bit of work for Marvel Including 1977's adaptation of the Iliad That was that ancient Greek epic poem Usually attributed to Homer uh, Having written it Also he wrote the Peter Parker The spectacular Spider-Man number 16 March 1978 cover date And Incredible Hulk number 230 December 1978 cover date His final Superman story was featured In Superman number 420 June 1986 cover date Just a few months before the post-crisis reimagining Magan would serve as editor for DC Comics between the years of 1989 and 1991. Outside of comic books, Magan has written several novels featuring Marvel and DC characters and the adaptation of DC's Kingdom Come by uh, Mark Waid and Alex Ross, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, which the comic is. Anyway, uh, yes. Magan has uh, also been rather active in the world of politics. He first ran for office in 1984. It was an unsuccessful bid in the New Hampshire primary, second con- congressional district, for the U.S. House of Representatives. He'd run for a seat in the New York Assembly in 1990 and lose out, receiving 33.74% of the vote. Uh, Elliot toyed with the idea of running one more time. On May 21st, 2007, he announced his bid for the 2008 Democratic Party nod for California's 24th congressional district seat. However, on February 1st, 2008 He let it be known that he changed his mind
1: Mm -hmm. Now, Magan is known for punctuating His middle initial with an exclamation point Rather than a period About the S, Magan explains I got into the habit of putting exclamation points At the end of sentences instead of periods Because reproduction on pulp paper was so lousy So once, by accident When I signed a script, I put the exclamation point After my S Because I was just used to going to the end of the typewriter At that time and Julie Schwartz saw it, and before he told me, he goes into the production room and issues a general order that any mention of Elliot Magan's name will be punctuated with an exclamation point rather than a period from now until eternity. Oh, there it is. Yes. Now, he uh, won a few awards, the Ink Pot Award in 2013, also the Bill Finger Award for Excellence in Comic Book Writing in 2016. Uh, now, we... Uh, are up to the issue here. Uh-huh. After a half-dozen hal issues of Action Comics Weekly, he makes his return in this, the final installment. The cover, it's a black cover featuring Superman, Nightwing, and Deadman. They're stood before a bunch of kind of faceless people. Uh, Superman is holding Hal's empty costume, the ring and power battery, on the ground before them. The copy reads, If Hal Jordan dies, who will be the new Green Lantern?
0: And we open the story with that famous scene of Abin Sur, that's uh, the guy who gave Hal the ring, knocking on death's door.
1: Yes, he's uh, speaking into his ring, he goes, My successor will be absolutely without fear. Find my successor.
0: Moments later, the ring finds its man, Clarkette, And Clark says, You're injured. Let me help you. You cannot help. I'm dying, but I need to appoint my successor. I'm sure I could help here
2: Do you not understand? I've decided I'm dying
0: After a few more rounds of this okey-doke Abin Sur finally gets to his point
1: Yeah, he scans Clark with his ring And he goes, you are of a species Not native to this space sector You are Kryptonian Did many of you migrate
2: here?
0: Uh, no The other humanoids are born and bred I'm just bred
2: You do not qualify to be my successor,
1: Guardian's Law requires a native
0: Wait a second, isn't Abin Sur himself not a native to this space sector?
1: Yeah, and, and and I and I guess we're kind of playing fast and loose with that birthing matrix thing, right?
0: I doubt anybody in this editorial office knew what the heck
1: was <laughs> The foggiest that. idea. <laughs> now, <laughs> Abins, uses his ring to project the images of other potential successors into the sky. Clark immediately recognizes one of them as Hal Jordan, a test pilot that he had once interviewed.
0: He thinks to himself, "I interviewed this guy, Jordan, Hal Jordan." Talk about heroes in waiting. Test pilot. Open. Honest. Really honest. The straightest arrow I ever met. And he says aloud, Abid sir, you want to meet this Hal Jordan person?
1: And so Abin Sir wipes Kent's mind of the meeting, and decides on Hal Jordan as his successor.
0: Good enough. Anybody, you know, any, any, you know, say so. Any You just pick anybody. I don't. Uh, in the present, <laughs> Hal's back to this in the Salt Flats of Utah, the very place he'd first met Abinsur. He notices something is a bit off. Investigating, he finds a secret military operation going on in the underground. The men proceed to shoot at him, and he takes a bullet in the leg, and his ring goes a bit wonky. As the men make a call to a major easterly, Hal gets a closer look at what's being hidden.
1: He thinks to himself, this is bad. Incredibly hot stuff in this place. The stuff that bombs are made of. So get your mind off the Guardians, and the Lost Corps, and your job, and Aresia, and, and Carol...
0: I don't even know this is a problem that he had. Is this really yeah. torturing you. I, I, he seemed pretty happy, go lucky last time we saw him. I don't know.
1: It suddenly he became Peter Parker. <laughs>
0: really now? Oh God, my head. May uh, inside Hal runs into Major Easterly, who, after some really clunky dialogue, arrests him. Uh, as Hal's frog marched toward Easterly's chopper, the major pretends not to realize that his installation is hoarding a plutonium. Is hoarding plutonium Hal frees himself from the cuffs and makes a break for it Just then, easterly shoots Tal in the chest Killing him? Hmm. I thought he could only get hit in the back (laughs) As Hal lay dying, his ring Sends out an SOS to locate his successor
1: And so, over the next Bunch of pages uh, There's a lot of wasted pages in this book Uh, (laughs) The ring seeks out a bunch of Would-be replacements, including A hostage negotiator in Europe also, Dick Grayson.
0: Also a fellow you might know by the name of Guy Gardner, a black priest in an apartheid state, a mass terrorist That would have been interesting.
1: Yes, a Native American grandfather, then Clark Kent, and another hostage negotiator, this one in Beirut. Uh, now, they all appear in front of Hal's almost corpse. The group is then joined by Deadman. <laughs> He speaks to Hal's spirit and he tells him that he has a choice to make And he's not talking about picking a replacement But choosing whether or not he's going to die You can say yes or say no (laughs) Uh, Now, Deadman is pushing for him to just accept it and die uh, Lest Hal become stuck like he has Clark Kent would pipe up for the opposition
0: Deadman says, look, Landon, I got no axe to grind You can't give me your ring, but I've heard about you been going through some tough stuff lately. World coming down around you. It's hardly like you'd be afraid of death like some guys, right? Don't get caught like me. And then Clark says, excuse me, but I couldn't help overhearing you. For um, some reason, I'm speeded up to the time dilation you mentioned Uh, that doesn't affect me either.
1: Oh, yeah. Hal and Deadman can see each other due to some time dilation hoodoo. So, sure, yeah. good enough. Yeah. There's that. Clark says to
0: Hal, I'm Clark Kent. I interviewed you once. I just want to suggest my own point of view against choosing a successor and instead going on with life no matter what the pressure.
1: Deadman and Clark argue back and forth for a bit when suddenly some green energy leaks from Hal's power ring.
0: This is the uh, near corpse, not the spirit. Uh, and the energy yes. takes the form of Sur.
1: Hal Jordan, honored battery holder of Sector 2814, I hope that your career has been as fulfilling as was my own. I hope this,
0: but I doubt it. Geez, what? Why? What a mean thing to say? <laughs> right? Uh, a- Abin reveals that when that he has a response pre-programmed into the ring to pop up when Hal is dying, and I guess break his chops a little.
1: Yeah, to uh, twist the <laughs> knife.
0: You know. He also chats Hal up about his self-doubt, which, if we're being honest, Mind Games did a lot better.
1: It was much more entertaining, anyway.
0: Oh, you can say that for sure. Yeah. Mm. So now, dead man walking alongside Hal says. Hey, Lantern, listen up. And Clark says, Oh, Green Lantern, listen here. Here's how things go. Things get born, grow, make their contribution to the way things go, and die. Which is all the more reason to make as great a contribution as you can. Which is all the more reason not to screw around with the way things go like I did. The way every hero type who cheats death on a daily basis starts to do after a while. I resent that dead man On whose behalf, reporter Clark Kent On behalf of Well, of all of us here, that's who
1: With that, Hal has had enough And his spirit returns to his body And he pulls himself off the ground So he has chosen life yeah, uh, all Or of his he just would-be... got
0: annoyed out of
1: death He's like, please stop He couldn't plug his ears if he was dead <laughs> Now, uh, all of his would-be replacements vanish And they return from whence they came which totally eats up another bunch of pages while they're at it. I mean, they, hey, convenient this, that. <laughs> this was like a 15-page story stretched into 600. Wow. Uh,
0: so, Hal, alive and kicking, confronts Major Easterly, and they have words. Boring and kind of contrived words, but words nonetheless. Bottom line, Easterly is too high up on the food chain for Hal to do much about. And so he checks in with the Honorable Jerome R. Medawar. Who might have been a person that actually
1: existed. Yeah, we couldn't find if it. There are people named that on this planet. What a good name. We don't name. know if it was actually oh, a boy. judge in Utah. Oh, goodness. <laughs> Hal goes, Judge, I believe in the law. I've fought for it all my life.
0: And Judge Medawar says, Now, see here,
2: Lant.
1: And just then today, Your Honor, we're going to make it work.
0: Now, you can't just parade in here with your mask on and tell me to swear out a warrant against a highly decorated officer who's...
1: Who's committed crimes against humanity, not to mention against me. Listen, you've got a reputation as a real straight shooter, Judge.
0: A good politician is more like it. Give me that ID and let's see what's in the system on this turkey.
1: I didn't know you swore out warrants. I didn't
0: know that either. I, didn't that.
1: <laughs> I like that. I'm going to use that in uh, in my vernacular for <laughs> now. I'm going to swear out things. Uh, now, after the Judge does a little bit of searching...
0: Wanted it straight, Lantern? This guy's a heavy hitter. I do this thing, and he could have me assassinated.
1: Your Honor, then you will have my personal protection on my honor.
0: Wow, only like <laughs> six out of ten people die on your watch, so that's great.
1: <laughs> I wonder if he gave that same one to Kat Matui, you Yeah, know? she
0: was one of those, sorry, didn't
3: work that one.
1: <laughs> and we close out this issue and the era with Clark Kent, who is visited several times over by Deadman, who is inhabiting the bodies of several of Clark Kent's co-workers. They walk past a movie theater Advertising fatal attraction And there's a man on a ladder removing the letters Until all that's left Is action Dead man says Ah, you could have it, big guy Clark winks at the reader Do do you get it? it? Uh,
0: Oh, I think so (laughs) What if they were watching uh terms of endearment would the would the series be called Dearment weekly or that? <laughs> comics and also I'm curious to know Chris how much did your interest in this story evaporate the minute dead man showed up
1: oh quite a bit
0: uh, I would quite say it went it went from like the needle just just tanked. It went right back into the into the rest position.
1: The, the only thing worse is if they could have brought like the Phantom Stranger, the
0: Phantom Stranger, the Spectre. These are, these are yeah, not your favorite. Yeah. You don't like the undead no. guys. I've noticed you no. find them a little on the uh, I'm, I'm tepid side. Yeah, you like yeah. the living folks. So. No stakes,
1: no stakes. Yeah. <laughs>
0: right. <clears throat> uh, so uh, that's it for the Action Comics Weekly series. But we do still have. Plenty more to talk about. The letters page in this very issue includes a missive from editor Mike Gold, who says, Okay, here's the story. Action Comics Weekly required the most work I've ever seen done in a comic book. Luckily, we had a great deal of help, nearly DC's entire editorial staff, all of our production crew, above and beyond the call of duty, deepest thanks, Bob Rowe and company, that would be Bob Rosakis, and a Mm -hmm. platoon of the most talented writers and artists in the known galaxy, and a few from places even further out, and three guys without whom we would never have pulled it off, Bob Greenberger, who did the follow-through on work on our 42 covers, Brian Augustine, who did the lion's share of the coordination work, and Mark Wade, who provided constant and crucial backup in all departments. Most of the major editorial decisions were made by the four of us in brainstorming sessions that, it should come as no surprise, were a great deal of fun. Releasing 42 comics, all 48 pagers, in 43 weeks—TC doesn't ship comics in the week between Christmas and New Year's—is a major feat, and one of which we're quite proud. The sales on this series were quite good. Not as good as we might have hoped, but certainly more than sufficient to continue publication.
1: I wonder why they didn't do just 10 more issues To make it a clean year
0: you you think, But I, really, I think they probably really had to pull the plug To be honest with you I
1: think so So he continues So why is this the last weekly edition? I'm glad you asked You've probably noticed DC has had some problems Meeting its on-time shipping schedule This has been the result of an incredible number of reasons Chief, chief among them are unwillingness To drop a hundred out-of-continuity fill-in issues By fill-in writers And fill-in artists at the drop of a hat We've been working real hard to put, uh, put the Entire line back on schedule, and it is clear we cannot do so while operating under the pressures of producing a 48 page weekly. We're going to stop, catch our breath, and slowly but surely come out with the same quality material but in different forms. And yes, we've got a new anthology in the works. The success of ACW, such as it was, told us there is a place for an anthology comic. In addition to the new anthology title, here's what's to come out of action. First, Blackhawk premieres in his own title, labeled for mature readers Responding to comments received in this column Marty Pascal and Rick Burchett continue on the series And the first issue will be out in about two weeks
0: And this Blackhawk would wind up running 16 issues from March 1989 to August 1990 cover dates Uh, Mike Gold continues, Green Lantern will next appear in an all-important Prestige-Format miniseries, followed by a new monthly title just in time to celebrate Hal Jordan's 30th anniversary.
1: Now that Prestige-Format miniseries wound up being just a regular-format comic uh, miniseries called Green Lantern Emerald Dawn. The ongoing volume of Green Lantern that followed would run 181 issues, plus a number zero and a number one million, uh, from cover dates June 1990 through November 2004. Mike Gold continues, Dead Man will also be appearing in a prestige format series. Mike Barron's already written the first volume, and it's a doozy.
0: This series would be the 1989's two-volume Dead Man, Love After Death Written by Mike Barron with art by Kelly Jones uh, Mike Gold goes on Wild Dog will be appearing in a 48-page special Quite frankly, we'd probably be doing an ongoing Wild Wild Dog title If not for the fact that Max Collins and Terry Beattie are tied up In an important new DC project But don't worry, you can't keep a good dog down
1: Wild Dog special did, in fact, come out in 1989, and uh, would be the last book released to this point with Wild Dog That's in That's it. Title. They've kept so... him down
0: somehow, but all right.
1: <laughs> For three decades. Uh, gold continues. Speedy and the Demon will be appearing in their own comics format, comics format miniseries. Speedy, of course, will continue to figure prominently in the new Titans, and will be playing an important role in Green Arrow as well, particularly in this summer's annual.
0: Speedy never did get that series and uh, didn't really figure all that prominently in the pages of New Titans. Uh, The Demon did have a 58-issue run, plus a number zero, which ran from July 1990 to May 1995 cover dates. That's the uh, Ennis and uh, McRae, right? did they do that one? I think they did part of it, yeah. Yeah, So that's cool. And uh, he says, I mentioned in our our new anthology series, it's codenamed Adventure Comics, but we can't truly promise that. We'll have to see how it shapes up. It doesn't. That never happened yet.
1: (laughs) No. (laughs) He he continues, or or gets near the conclusion here. with, And after the all-Superman Action Comics annual, our old friend George Perez will be bringing the the Man of Steel home to Action Comics number 643. You'll see it in the stores in a couple of months. Remember, I said we were going to be buying ourselves some time.
0: From Mike's Amazing World, DCIndexes.com. Action Comics Weekly number six forty two, shipped January twenty fourth, nineteen eighty nine. Action Comics 6, forty three hit shelves June eighth, nineteen eighty nine. So yeah, there was there was a few About months. A six month. Break, a few yeah. months. Yeah, just a few six months. Uh, he then wraps up. Mike Gold says, "If you didn't like everything we ran in Action Comics Weekly, well, join the crowd." The beauty of an anthology is its diversity, and ACW certainly was diverse. We didn't try to be all things to all people, and we're proud of that, too. We thank you for your support, and we'll see you in the funny papers.
1: So there you have it, the entirety of Hal Jordan's action comics. All right. Well, well, sort of, kind of. Would you believe this wasn't the original ending?
0: Original ending?
1: Mm, Now, let's see here When DC decided to curb the Action Comics Weekly experiment And revert back to the monthly comic focused on Superman They needed to find a way to wrap it all up Of all people, it was Neil Gaiman who was hired to write the Swan Song Which was to appear in Action Comics Weekly number 642 Which we just read Uh, Now, from all accounts, everybody really dug the story
0: Which is what everybody always says when it's a Neil Gaiman story, so (laughs) Uh, But there was a bit of a snag. Uh, Game and script portrayed Hal Jordan and Clark Kent of knowing each other's secret identities, which was apparently no longer canon. Uh, Despite the fact that Hal called Clark way back at the start of the thing when he was going through his list of friends, but maybe that was because that interview for the Daily Planet was so great. That they became friends? (laughs) You don't think so, Chris? Okay. Uh, (laughs) So, Neil, yeah. You know, that was a great interview. Let's be pals. Uh, Best friends. Neil actually cited that as evidence that they knew each other's secret. Of his pitch, he'd say, I even prided myself on using plot threads from Action Comics Weekly, like the one where Green Lantern, who was then the man without fear, Hal Jordan, and worth noting, this is from an essay in 2000. At this point, Hal was gone, and if you asked, he wasn't ever coming back, so he's being spoken of kind of posthumously here. Mm. Uh, Neil continues, Hal Jordan, undergoing an emotional crisis, telephones his oldest friends, and none of them want to speak with him, not even Superman, whom he phones at work at the Daily Planet. And see, we told you we'd eventually come back to that scene.
1: Mm-hmm, finally. Now, uh, Mike Carlin offered Game and the opportunity to edit his script. But, at this point, Neil already had a Miracle Man comic he was ignoring, so it wasn't <laughs> like he was going to take another run at this. Yeah. Uh, now, Neil says, The change winds had blown, and the nature of reality had shifted. It had been decided that too many people knew Superman's secret identity. It wasn't special anymore. So from now on, the only people who would know it would be Mr. and Mrs. Kent and Pete Ross, and maybe Mr. Mrs. Pitalik. Nobody else. Certainly not Green Lantern. Uh, Mark Wade would say in the afterword of this very story... For a little while, as near as anyone can keep track, Hal Jordan knew Superman's secret identity only on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Neil wrote a script on a Wednesday, but he turned it in on a Thursday.
0: Oh, there it goes. Mm-hmm. So now fast forward to the year 2000. Neil's sad man run was done, and his star had certainly risen in that decade pretty much because of the sad man. Sure. Uh, DC decided to compile a collection of early gaming work for a trade paperback. Neil asked, this might be the right time to pull the trigger on his Green Lantern Superman story. And not like DC was going to say no at this point. He could have (laughs) said, I want to pull the trigger on my Creeper uh, Superman story. They'd be like, you got it, buddy. Um, And so after finding a copy of the script, which seemed to be a rather to-do, they finally got the thing drawn. Uh, Neil had to check in with comics retailer Brian Hibbs of San Francisco Comic Experience, who had given a photocopied printout of the long-lost script to a fellow named James Barry Who, as luck would have it Still had the script Before it was located, Mark Wade suggested That the homeless little story wound up Catalogued in Lucian's library of Unpublished
1: manuscripts I get that reference mm-hmm. uh, Now, <laughs> Several high profile artists Were enlisted and it was ultimately released As a prestige format, one shot And it was called Green Lantern, Superman, Legend of the Green Flame November 2000 cover date Written by Neil Gaiman With art by Eddie Campbell, Mike Allred And Terry Austin, Mark Buckingham John Tottlebin, Matt Wagner Eric Shanower and Odd Adams Jim Aparo and Kevin Nolan And just like with the uh with the ending of Action Comics Weekly, we're right. just going to discuss the writer here, yeah. and that man is Neil Gaiman. Neil Richard Gaiman was born on November 10th, 1960, in Porchester, Hampshire, in England. His father worked for a chain of family-owned grocery stores in the area, and his mother was a pharmacist. He would have—he has two uh, younger sisters. In 1965, the Gaiman family moved to the West Sussex town of East Grinstead. Uh, Jewish by ancestry, uh, Neil's parents began studying L. Ron Hubbard's self-help book Dianetics and the Church of Scientology while in East Grinstead. Today, some of Neil's sub- siblings are involved with Scientology. Neil has said that Scientology, like Judaism, is his family's religion, and he appears to have nothing to do with either. In the 1989 interview with Fantasy Advertiser, Neil would say, I think we can say that God exists in the DC universe. I would not stand up and beat the drum for the existence of God in this universe. I don't know. I think there's probably a 50-50 chance. doesn't really matter to me.
0: Uh, Neil Gaiman was reading by the age of four, and for his seventh birthday, Gaiman received C.S. Lewis's The New Chronicles of Narnia series. He later recalled that I admired his use of parenthetical statements to the reader where he would just talk to you. I'd think, oh my gosh, that is so cool. I want to do that. When I become an author, I want to be able to do things in parentheses. I like the power of putting things in brackets. One work that made a particular impression on him was J.R. Tolkien's The Lord of the Rings, of which his school library had only the first two volumes. He consistently took them out and read them And later won the school's English prize And the school reading prize (laughs) Enabling him to acquire the third volume By the time Neil was about 10 years old He read his way through the works of Dennis Wheatley Where especially the Ka of Gifford Hillary And the Haunting of Toby Jug Made an impact on him How about those books ever make an impact on you Chris? Ah Ka of Gifford Hillary. Yeah, these are British British kid books is what they, they are.
1: Uh, yeah. Never yeah.
0: heard of this in my life. But uh, Gaiman also loved Lewis Carroll's Alice's Adventures in Wonderland and is said to have read Batman comic books. Gaiman was educated at several Church of England schools, including Fontel School in East Grinstead, Ardingly College from 1970 to 74, and Whitgift School in Croydon from 1974 to 1977. He had trouble getting into what we in the U.S. might call grade school because of his father's affiliation with Scientology.
1: Hmm. Now, Neil lived in East Grinstead for many years, from 1965 to 1980, and then again from 1984 to 87. He'd meet his first wife, Mary McGrath, in East Grinstead while she was studying Scientology and living in a house owned by Neil's father. They married in 1985 and would have a son. When Neil was 20 years old, he contacted his favorite science fiction writer R. A. Lafferty, whom he discovered when he was nine, and he'd asked for advice on becoming an author along with some fan fiction. Uh, the The writer sent Yaman an encouraging and informative letter back along with literary advice. Which
0: I think, which I think, must have been huge. You know that that is so cool. Uh, yeah. A little, a little thing like that can really change a, a young a whole life young person's yeah. life around. that
1: trajectory. Yeah, I just yeah. That was awesome. Now, in the early 1980s, Gaiman would pursue journalism, conducting interviews and also writing book reviews. During this, he sometimes wrote under pseudonyms, including Gary Musgrave, Richard Gray, and a couple of house names. Uh, Gaiman has said that he had ended his journalism career in 1987 because British newspapers regularly publish untruths as fact.
0: Luckily, it's only British newspapers. It's only that. Everyone else is fine. Up
1: on, uh, on the up
0: and up, yeah. <laughs> Neil wrote and reviewed extensively for the British Fantasy Society. His first professional short story publication was "Feather Quest," a fantasy story in Imagine magazine in May 1984. While waiting for a train at London's Victoria Station in the same year, Gabin noticed a copy of Swamp Thing written by Alan Moore and read it. He'd later write that that was the final straw What was left of my resistance crumbled I proceeded to make regular and frequent Regular and frequent visits to London's Forbidden Planet shop to buy comics That same year he wrote his first book A biography of the band Duran Duran Titled Duran Duran The Book Published by Proteus Publishing Co As well as Ghastly Beyond Belief A book of quotations He wrote with Kim Newman Published by Arrow Books Limited of the Duran Duran book, Neil Gaiman told The Telegraph in 2015, when I was about 22 and a really young writer, I had a phone call from a publisher saying, would you like to write a rock and roll biography for us? I said, absolutely. I could write about David Bowie or Elvis Costello or Lou Reed in The Velvet Underground. They said, oh, no, we know the books we want written. Would you like to write about Duran Duran, Barry Manilow, or Def Leppard? And Neil chose Duran Duran (laughs) based on the fact They had the shortest back catalog And therefore would require the least audio research
1: There you go Now, after this, Gaiman was offered a job by Penthouse magazine Which he would refuse In the late 1980s, he wrote Don't Panic! the Official Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy Companion That was from Titan Books, 1986 And following this, he wrote the opening of What would become his collaboration with fellow England author Terry Pratchett on the comic novel Good Omens Neil's first published comic strips were four short uh, Future Shocks for 2000 AD in 1986 and 87. After forming a friendship with comic book writer Alan Moore, uh, Gaiman would start writing comic books, picking up Miracle Man after Moore finished his run on the series. His first work with the character was seen in Eclipse Comics' Total Eclipse number 4 and then he began his run proper with Miracle Man number 17, June 1990 cover date. Eclipse Comics folded shortly after that and uh, at this point we direct you to the Weird Comics History episodes uh, 27 through 29 which are all about Marvel Man slash Miracle Man, also Neil Gaiman's involvement and a whole lot of other stuff besides. It's a
0: it's a big story folks It needed three it episodes is. to tell for sure
1: <laughs> No, he wrote three graphic novels with his favorite collaborator and Longtime friend Dave McKean Those are Violent Cases from Escape Books in 1987 Signal to Noise Which was originally serialized in 1989 And UK Style Magazine The Face Uh, The collected edition would be published by Victor Gollins Limited In the UK and then Dark Horse in the United States In 1992 And also the Tragical Comedy or the Comical Tragedy Of Mr. Punch That came out in Gollins in the UK But Vertigo in the US in 1994
0: DC Comics hired Neil in February 1987, and with McKean, he produced the three-issue limited series Black Orchid, uh, December 1988 to February 1989 cover dates. This changed the character radically, connecting her with the green of Swamp Thing fame and the occult. Gaben produced two stories for DC's Secret Origin series in 1989 A Poison Ivy tale drawn by Mark Buckingham and a Riddler story Illustrated by Bernie Myrault And Matt Wagner And when we we put this in context with him Having written that last story For Action Comics Weekly That's what he was doing at the time, they were just putting him on things, you know, like they were like, we we need someone to write this, here's a guy who can do it, and (laughs) his uh, star had not yet risen, but... Yeah. Karen Berger, who later became head of Vertigo, read Black Orchid, and offered, offered Game and a job to rewrite an old character, the Sandman, but to put his own spin on him. And from January 1989 to March 1996, he did just that. This led to many new characters and spin-off series, which we can talk about when we actually do an issue of Sandman <laughs> on that show. It should suffice to say the Sandman is what made Neil Gaiman a literary star, not just in comic books either. Uh, oh, Neil, yeah. Neil was supposed to take over Swamp Thing after Rick Veach, but when DC censored Rick, which is a story we have told before, Gaiman withdrew himself from the series. In 1990 to 1991, Gaiman wrote The Books of Magic, a four-part miniseries exploring the magic corners of the DC Universe, and that led to an ongoing series that had quite a number of issues. I didn't write, we didn't write down how many, but uh, that was written by John Ney Reiber,
1: or Reber. Yes. One of those, yes. Yeah. Now, in the mid-1990s, Neil created a number of new characters and a setting for a short-lived comics publisher called Techno Comics, uh, though he never wrote any of them. But his name was on it. Was on the covers, <laughs> on yep. every cover. So people, uh, some looky loos, would grab them and then be very <laughs> disappointed. Uh, in 1996, Gaiman wrote a semi-autobiographical story for Ed Kramer's anthology *Tales of the White Wolf*. That was from White Wolf Publishing. That same year, they co-edited the fiction anthology *The Sandman Book of*. Of Dreams, And that was nominated for a British Fantasy Award uh, The jacket image is by, is by Dave McKean And uh, all of that pretty neatly brings them up to the book We're going to talk about right now And with it, we open with a World War II era prologue We got Blackhawk and Chop Chop They're checking out the basement of a destroyed building in Germany
0: Blackhawk had three separate features during Action Comics Weekly They ran from... 601 to 608 issues, 615 to 622, and issue 628 to 634. In the down below, there are several dead bodies.
1: He goes, I don't believe this. Two hours of clearing away rubble and dodging Russian patrols, and you don't know what we're looking for.
0: Chop, chop says,
1: gas perhaps. Looks like this guy was wearing
0: some kind of gas mask when he bought it.
1: Now this would be the body of Wesley Dodds, the Golden Age Sandman, and then. Feathers? Feathers? Yeah, down there, feathers Those are the remains of Hawkman
0: Uh-oh, and in the rubble Something green
1: So what do you find, Aladdin? Imagine la- magic lamp?
0: <laughs> yeah, maybe An old green lantern Reminds me of something I wish I could remember
1: mm. They take the lantern and leave Stepping over our man's hourglass on the way out
0: now in the present Hal Jordan arrives at the Daily Planet To chat up his old friend Clark Kent Because they know each other now Uh huh.
1: <laughs> Hal goes Hey big fella
0: He's going to call him that a whole lot So yeah. get ready Clark says Hal Hal Jordan what a pleasant surprise
1: Hal asks if it's cool if he bends The big fella's ear for a bit uh, and as they go to leave, they're cut off by Lois Lane Lois asked Clark to cover for her at the Maltese Falcons at the Metropolis Museum event She's got two tickets to hand over, and uh, so Clark and Hal could make a day of it
0: If you can just look in, Clark, please, if Mr. Jordan doesn't
2: mind Fine by me, big fella
0: Okay, Lois, you win You're a sweetheart, Clark You too, Mr. Jordan. It starts in 20 minutes, so you better hurry.
1: Clark and Hal cut through the park on their way to the museum, and they catch up and chat a little bit about some of their friends in common. How's Ollie? Fine. We're still speaking.
0: I can't say I've ever really gotten on with Ollie. He can be kind of abrasive. Yeah, no kidding. Sheesh, I mean, kind of a dick, really, but all right.
1: (laughs) Now, Hal mentions that Ollie and the Bird Lady seem to have a good thing going. And, of course, that Bird Lady is Dinah Lance, the Black Canary, who had a pair of stints in Action Comics Weekly. Those were issues 609 through 616 and 624 to
0: 634. Hal talks about the dissolution of the Green Lantern Corps, and Clark listens but manages to save a cat from a tree while doing so. It all sort of comes down to loneliness for Hal.
1: There isn't a Green Lantern Corps anymore. Okay, I still have my ring along with two other humans. Neither of whom are speaking to me. A giant chipmunk and a sort of furry accident. Oh, and then there's Mogo, but Mogo doesn't socialize. I'm lonely, Clark.
0: And Clark interrupts Hal to inform him that at present they're being mugged.
1: Hal hey, goes,
2: Take out your wallets and watches and put them on the ground. Try
1: any clever stuff and we blow your faces off. They're all yours. We could do it together. Why not? And so, less than a page later, the would-be muggers are locked in an energy construct cage with a great big blinking sign in order to inform any passing <laughs> police. We finally arrive at the Metropolis Museum, and Clark and Hal overhear that the Catkin Pearl has gone missing. Mm. Uh, don't don't worry. The story has nothing to do with finding it. Thankfully, uh, this is just Neil's clever way of introducing someone.
0: Yeah, Selina Kyle, who says, "Oh." TM Huh? I was hoping to see the poil. Any reason? I just like the name.
1: And remember, Catwoman did have a very brief stint in Action Comics Weekly. Those were issues 611 through 614.
0: So Clark and Howe continued touring the museum and happened across that the... Green Lantern Blackhawk discovered in the prologue.
1: Big guy. Is that what I think it is? Hmm. Can you examine it? Look at it with the, you know. Sure. Clark takes a peek, but then recoils in pain after a moment
0: It it hurt my eyes It seemed infinite, as if I could look into it forever What is that thing?
1: Hal decides to close off the hallway that he and Clark are browsing in And he suits up in his GL togs Hal,
0: what are you doing?
1: If this is the power battery I think that it is Then it's my duty to check it out There are 3594 X Green Lanterns out there, Clark
0: Hal points his ring at the lantern and says the oath. No sooner does he do that, though, than a green flame overtakes the entire place. Hal and Clark die?
1: Well, they wake up in an ethereal plane looking at Uh Deadman, so close enough. Right, right. Now, uh, if you remember, Deadman had three stints on Action Comics Weekly. Those are issues 601 through 612, 618 to 621, and then 623 to 626.
0: And Deadman says, "Uh uh-oh. I don't believe it. You're Superman. Superman. And you're that sci-fi guy that went with the ring. Green Lantern. Yeah, I suppose I ought to ask you what you two are doing here. But that again, there's only one
1: answer. Hal and Superman pulled themselves up to their feet.
0: Yeah, you're dead. My name's Boston Brand. Don't laugh. My brother was called Cleveland. I don't think my parents had much imagination. They named our dog Pittsburgh. Can you believe it?
1: No, I can't believe it. I don't believe any of this.
0: Well, that's your funeral, Doc, if you, uh, see what I mean.
1: Dead man goes to leave.
0: And Superman says, Brad, come back here. Now, I want some straight answers. Okay, straight answers. Yes, you're probably dead. This is the place that people come before they go, wherever it is that they go. Heaven, hell, Philadelphia...
1: And uh, neither Clark nor Hal
0: laugh at that It's a tough crowd Or it might be a crowd of people from Pennsylvania cause It's they, true Because he, he, he lambasted Philadelphia and Pittsburgh Like, come on, dude There are, I all, know, there right? are other states we could talk about
1: <laughs> Now, Superman asks for some clarification On the uh, probably dead bit uh, Brand says from time to time People decline going toward the light Or they get a good enough cardiac massage In order to wake them up And so Hal decides
0: to try getting them back home By using his power ring uh, the one that brought them here in the first place? Yep, that's the idea
1: Okay, and Hal says
0: It might not work, but it's worth a shot And Superman says Fine, Hal, try it Things can't get any worse Famous last words Famous last words, kiddo Come on, dead man, don't steal our lines <laughs> Really? We shift <laughs> scenes to a boring apartment with boring things in it Where a boring man walks And this is the Phantom Stranger <laughs> Ha 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 <laughs> who bebopped and scattered all over Action Comics Weekly numbers 610, then 613 to 614, number 617, number 623, and number 631 to 636, and then 641. So he knows he's got to get involved now.
1: <laughs> oh boy!
0: Yeah, I know you're excited, Chris. It's always time mm-hmm. for you to start put the eye mask down. Maybe <laughs> uh, we rejoined Superman and Hal in hell. So things did get worse, I would think so, yeah. (laughs) Even worse yet, Superman appears to be KO'd. He's just knocked out floating there. And Hal holds on to the big fella's feet so he doesn't plummet into the lava lake below.
1: Superman! Superman! Clark! What's happening? What's the matter? Clark, please, talk to me. A
0: giant bird descends on Hal and is rather pleased to find two such virtuous souls in its realm.
2: Who are you? What is this place?
0: This is the Pit Stygian. Tis the end of hope of any foolish mortal goal. You'll taste so sweet, my lost Viridian friend. Pray give me leave to dine upon your soul.
1: You know, when you say it so poetically, it's really hard to refuse. It
0: it sounds almost romantic, I gotta
1: tell you. It does. It does. I I feel flattered. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Hell replies with, this is crazy. I don't believe in hell. I don't believe in any of this happening. It's gotta be some kind of delusion, a hallucination.
2: So, click your ruby heels and
1: repeat, there's no
2: place like home.
1: That's just mean. Uh, (laughs) Now, below Hal, Clark, and the bird, we see a ship full of souls floating by. And a still KO'd Superman can hear the souls.
0: Yeah, he thinks in caption, I hear someone screaming for my help, just another voice in the crowd, just another lost soul.
1: Bird swoops around and takes a big old bite Out of Superman's left leg And uh, this manages to wake him, hey, hey. Uh, But it also sends Hal falling Toward the lava Before he hits bottom, however, he is impaled Through the chest by a giant meat hook And at that very moment Hal decides to use his ring again, so he and Superman vanish
0: You could have done that like five minutes ago like Right? Before, or even five panels ago Before you got impaled by the meat hook, maybe? Yeah Uh Back at the museum, the Phantom, Stranger, the Phantom Stranger arrives He sees through Hal's illusion and walks down that hallway Hal and Superman wake up again, this time looks as though they're inside the power battery
1: Come on, big fella, it's over We're out of there, wherever there was Lean on me
0: Once Superman is to his feet, the fellas, big and small Find themselves stood before the Green Flame Oh! <laughs> and the flame speaks and says... One apologizes for your earlier
1: problems. Who's talking? Show yourself. One is the flame, Al Jordan. And the flame continues to explain.
3: One began 40 million years ago when the Owen Guardians created their great power battery and banished magic
1: from its structure. Now that's a scene we discussed way back in part one of Haldron's action comics three weeks ago.
3: One achieves sentience. Then, much later, in the time of Kai Lung, in your old China, Chang, the lamp maker, first fashioned it one into the shape you see before you. He shaped the first ring lamps and rings,
1: lamps and rings. Al Scott, the man who called himself Green Lantern back in the 40s, did he own you? One is not
3: owned. But yes, Alan Scott was a slave of the lamp.
0: He was a good servant, as you will be. Superman says, What did you mean when you said Hal would be your servant, that Alan Scott was a slave of the lamp? A figure of
3: speech no more, Hal Jordan. It is time for you to assume your predecessor's mantle. To cast aside your ring. To take another one that I will give you. Made up of one's fabric. Time to leave science
0: and embrace magic. The true power. Hal
1: doesn't think long before saying,
0: No way. The Flame continues trying to bend Hal's will and insists upon him that he denounce science and embrace magic. And just then, the Phantom Stranger shows up. He says, Look at me, Jordan. The Flame can be controlled. Although it is a force for anarchy, for chaos, for wild magic, it can still be tamed. Alan Scott did it. You can do it too, Hal Jordan.
1: And so Hal recites Alan Scott's Green Lantern Oath, which goes something like, And I shall shed my light over dark evil, for the dark things cannot stand the light, the light of Green Lantern.
0: It's just not as catchy, you notice it's it, isn't. Not
1: it doesn't good. rhyme, it's just yeah It's whatever.
0: But with a flash Iambic
1: pentameter
0: <laughs> <laughs> with a flash of emerald energy, Hal and Superman find themselves back at the museum, looking at their own bodies in subs- suspended animation.
1: Yep, and the stranger noinks the lamp.
0: I will take the lamp. One day, perhaps, the green flame will be freed, but the wild old days of high magic will return. One day, but not yet. Superman says, wait, how do we get back to our bodies? What's happening?
1: And no sooner do Hal and Superman re-enter their bodies, and the stranger thankfully vanishes. Uh, we rejoin the fellas atop of the museum so they can finish their chat from earlier.
0: So, we were talking about your problems before, before the weird stuff happened.
1: Yeah, I, I suppose after all that's happened, my, my problems have changed.
0: Or your perspective changed, Hal.
1: Yeah, either way, uh, there's a whole universe out there. Uh, lots of new friends to make, lots of room to think. And I've been promising myself I'd drop in on Mogo just to say hi. He
0: doesn't socialize, though, dude, didn't you? I know, right? Uh, Spoiler ha- alert. Ha- Hal and Superman drop to the ground in front of a movie theater advertising Fatal Attraction. A man hey. on a ladder is changing out the sign. Hey, wait, I, I, we've been here before. This sounds uh, really been here familiar. Uh, Superman flies away just as the sign reads Action. And Hal says, take care, big guy.
1: place is all yours. And then Hal winks to the reader. If you see what I mean. We do. Yeah, we get it, man. We already saw the joke. You
0: did it already, basically. Yeah. You're doing it again in a place that doesn't make any sense because Action Comics is all 15
1: years removed. removed. Yeah,
0: a yeah, monthly starring Superman at that time. So <laughs> so what happened here? Uh, mm. Okay. From Neil Gaiman's introductory piece in Green Lantern slash Superman, Legend of the Green Flame, he writes, Action Comics Weekly had been an experimental anthology comic. It asked the question, would readers want anthology series of individualized, serialized stories featuring Green Lantern, Catwoman, Deadman, The Phantom Stranger, The Demon, Blackhawks, and, of course, Superman? And the answer was no, they didn't want it.
1: He continues at DC. It felt that it was felt that Action Comics Weekly was much more trouble than it was worth. So uh, let's break that down a little bit here. <laughs> uh, I, I, since we've read every Green Lantern feature in this book here, uh, th- there were signs that creators were involved were not really interested in writing their stories in eight-page chapters, right? <laughs> Which, I you know, mean,
0: understandably, I think you know. Of course, you know, of yeah.
1: course, they're not trained. This is not the way they do comics, and yep. it becomes clear that this was a struggle. Struggle uh, during the second half of our visit with Hal Jordan. Uh, uh, you know, personally, it feels like rather than writing you know straight eight-page stories, these creative teams would just come up with like a dozen or so cliffhangers and then just write to them. Right. Regardless of repetition or how much decompression they have to do to get there, so. If Captain Adam and Hal have to argue for three more pages to get where they want to be, that's what we're going to do. Cla- that's
0: we're going to do. Classic comics writing, we call that, yeah.
1: <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> now, and also, if you recall, the Mike Gold piece that we read a few minutes back, uh, he said that they weren't trying to be all things to all people. Uh, they were just hopeful that there might be a story or two, each issue that folks enjoyed, but... Uh, from Neil's uh, introductory piece here, he I don't think he buys that. It's
0: also not a great way to sell comics. You know what I mean? I mean, people are not going to buy a whole comic for one story. This that's the problem here.
1: Especially an over an expensive one that comes out weekly.
0: Exactly. Yeah, it's yeah. Over, over large. I mean, you know, this this seems to be common in a lot of comics industry of just this belief that if someone enters the store, they're going to leave with a comic regardless of nothing. And I'm, at yeah. least for you, that is not true.
1: No, people people do go out empty handed. I have seen it. Yeah, well, every day,
0: yeah. Many, many times myself, <laughs> uh, and I've have, I've have done it myself actually too. So it's, true. it's uh, true. Now the last word from us on Malvolio. Uh, in Green Lantern Volume Three, Number Twenty Five, that was a June nineteen ninety two cover date. During a gr- argument between Guy Gardner and Hal Jordan in regards to which of them will be the protector of Sector Twenty Eight Sixteen, Guy lets loose with a. Say, whatever happened to Malvolio, do you still have his ring?
1: Which, I mean, that was four years later. Yeah. And they brought up Malvolio, which is uh, uh, not something you'd ever expect it, unless anywhere. they were playing. I wonder what
0: a lot of people thought of that,
1: if they just kind of like went, went past it, you know, like whatever. Yeah, for sure. Uh, now, Malvolio would make another appearance in Green Lantern Sleepers. This was a uh, prose series of novels uh, by uh, Christopher Priest. And uh, his appearance there actually proved to be a little bit of a problem. Uh, in a piece at digitalpriest.com, that's Priest's website, he reveals that co-writer Mike A H N told him he couldn't write Malvolio's Elizabethan speech pattern in volume two of the series. And uh, so Priest, when he came back to do the third part, he continued to write Malvolio with a straightforward American English manner of speaking, which uh, is different from the comic, but it's in... I guess it, it fits in with the novel series. What a, so what, a it mean, what a
0: mean trick to do, though, that I haven't changed up the speech pattern midway. It's like, come on, man, I have a character yeah. I built here. What's wrong? <laughs> (laughs)
1: Now in that book Malvolio would uh, He's a bad dude so he cuts a deal with Hitler You might have heard of that guy And he also battles Alan Scott This uh, happens back in the 40s We want to mention that all three volumes of Sleepers Is available as like audio dramas From Graphic Audio I think that's graphicaudio.net You can find those Uh, We also have uh, some bits and pieces From a Usenet post of Christopher Priest That was dated back on April 26th 1996 Yep. He gives us the statistics of Malvolio first
0: Yeah, for the, this is the yeah the specifics Born in England the year, in the year 1612 His father was an off-worlder, a Green Lantern from Space Sector 1634 There was no GL of Earth at that time Malvi's dad was a big blue-speaking guy He fell in love with an Earth woman, probably against the Guardian's wishes
1: Now regarding Mal's Alan Scott-esque uniform, he says...
0: There was a reason for that, but I honestly can't remember. I believe we were going to asset Scott's uniform uh, based that was actually, oh, we we're going to assert Scott's uniform was actually based on Malvolio's.
1: And when asked, does Malvolio have a connection to Alan Scott? Nope. <laughs> Quick and to the point. <laughs> now uh, also did Malvolio's power ring work on wood.
0: He said, Malvolio, like Priest, doesn't need a ring. See, Denny O'Neill, my GL editor at the time, and I agreed the limitations of Hal's ring were ironically imposed to keep him from going nuts. That The limitations were mostly mental or post-hypnotic. Malvolio didn't know any of the rules. He doesn't know his ring can't work on yellow, so Malvi's ring can. In fact, Malvi, like Priest, can connect the GL force without a ring.
1: When someone comments, it looked like it worked on yellow
0: He said it did work on yellow
1: Uh
0: And then when asked about the patricide in there
1: Yeah, Malvolio was, is insane A congenital defect He has major ego problems Although he worshipped his dad At some point he realized his dad was an idiot And that he, Malvolio alone, should have the power of the green flame He killed his dad in his sleep an incredibly ignoble gesture, and something that fuels Malvi's insanity all the more.
0: He was asked, was Priest, and that was, they mean the Red Alien Priest, not Christopher Priest, <laughs> uh, was he involved?
1: Malvolio was never a Green Lantern. His father was. Malvolio killed Dad and took his ring, but he was never a member of the Corps. On behalf of the Guardians of the Universe, Priest fought Lord Malvolio. Priest was booted out of the GL Corps by the Guardians because he refused to kill Malvolio. Instead, Priest imprisoned Malvi, and the little fathead pipsqueaks took Priest's stripes.
0: So did Priest get the job of GL after Malvolio killed his father?
1: Yes. Ah. So so everything comes together here.
0: Yeah, it it actually does make sense And then why Priest did that uh, thing to uh, Hal Jordan. Yep. Even though it was a crazy hoax, but he did whatever (laughs) it was. And then when describing Malvolio's world...
1: Yeah, Priest goes, here's where it gets loopy, And yes, it's probably my fault Malvolio's world, the mountain retreat The alien scientist Everything we saw in that arc, which we discussed last week Was an illusion Malvolio was in jail Imprisoned by Priest and looking for a way out He brought Hal there And created all this BS for one purpose only To get Hal to put on Malvolio's ring Which Parallax wears today
0: Hmm. Pretty sure Kyle was wearing it back in 1996.
1: Yeah, Parallax didn't have a ring. So
0: he didn't. He didn't even need a ring because he was sort of like the the uh, battery was in him or whatever. Or you know, he was. But this in that. Uh,
1: also, yeah, this also brings. Uh, if you remember when we did the the final the, the the final bit with Malvolio, it started in blackness, and then suddenly a universe appeared before Hal, and then it ended with uh, Malvolio pulling the arrow out of his chest, and then it faded the blackness. Uh, uh, right, right. And it's like it was a prison We turned off the simulation,
0: there. right? Turn yes. it on and off. Yeah, that's, that's... But we wouldn't know that no. without this interview. There's yeah, there's no I would not have caught that at all. I would have thought yeah. that they didn't feel like drawing two panels.
1: <laughs> that's it. Or just maybe it was like a symbolic black.
0: Something like that, exactly. Uh fade in. Uh he was asked, what was next for Malvolio?
1: And Priest said, I've tried no fewer than six times to bring Malvolio back. DC has no interest in the character.
0: For example? In
1: 1992, I pitched the Freedom Fighters, a superheroic, sort of, team consisting of Ray, Black Condor, Phantom Lady, the Hawks, Starman, and arian the Immortal. The team's unlikely warped Professor X? Malvolio. DC declined it.
0: Upon hearing that Gerard Jones name-dropped Mal in Dream Lantern number 25...
1: I'm surprised Jones wasn't run out on a rail for that. Then again, maybe he was.
0: And Priest's final words on Malvolio for the 1996 piece are...
1: Malvolio's ring is DC's instant way out of this parallax business. They'll never use it, but it is there. Which I'm sure fueled a lot of conspiracy theorists back in 1996.
0: Yeah, I bet they did.
1: And then about the name here, he says, Malvolio was created by M.D. Bright and myself, but was named after the Shakespearean character by DC senior editor Dan Raspler. So
0: there so, you
1: have it, folks. Direct any questions about the name to Dan.
0: Yeah, please, <laughs> not to us, because we cannot help you right there. Uh, yeah, so that that's it. That truly concludes the uh, Green Lantern stories in Action Comics Weekly, even going up to the ending that wasn't, but then was. Uh, written by Neil Gaiman. Um, I had a, I had a pretty good time overall with this. Oh yeah. Uh, I did read this. I don't know if I read all of them, but I definitely read a good chunk of this when it first came out, and had no memory of it. So <laughs> reading it this time was like it was like bright, I, it, it, Like little little sparks came back, but it's funny because it really is uh, not a totally highly memorable run. No. You know a lot a lot of goofy things happen, but not a lot of like. You know, uh, stunning moments happen, right? Would you say that's true?
1: Yeah, a lot, of, a lot of stuff that had editorial like stuck the landing could have been very interesting moving forward. You know, things like like Hal's mind being altered by the ring. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that could have been something that haunted, haunted the Green Lantern books for years to come. Uh, also, our man Malvolio. Right. I, that that could have been something huge. Uh, you could have had during the uh, during the Jerry Jones run, or even further, if there was gonna be one. You just have Hal's ring mess him up once in a while, and yeah. nobody knows what it is, and it's and then ultimately it's revealed to be a callback to our man Malvolio I mean, there, there would it, a lot of really cool stuff, but. There, there was clearly no interest in any of it moving forward. It's almost like its own little pocket dimension here.
0: Yeah, it, although well, I do love the idea also the expanding of the green flame, the magic side, you know, like adding a little more there, uh, which has happened very little over time to Alan. Scott's, yeah, it's like you know, a it's
1: dinner. like a nice nice line of demarcation between the science and magic, which and, it, and, could and be fleshed out.
0: They've played with it a little bit and they've explained how it's like connected but not connected to the Guardians. But yeah. this seemed like a chance to really to expand into it. Uh one thing that actually I think I, I mentioned in the second episode and we've definitely talked about it off the air, is that Emotionally, I wouldn't say anything specific to this story could really be said to lead to Parallax, as you pointed out. He doesn't even have a ring at that point, and, yeah. like, it's not like he's remembering Priest and, you know, when that happens. Uh, <laughs> but the emotional arc of Hal in this, uh, his... his Egocentricity as well as his like sort of craziness, like he's sort of a he's sort of a crazy guy in this, you know, a so hot head, yeah. Uh, oh. d- d- like not a guy to like trust what he sees, you know okay. what I mean? Um, <laughs> yeah, definitely a loose cannon. And it, 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 really does. This seems to be the bridge between uh crisis and parallax to me, uh, in that yeah. just that way. Uh, it really does sort of like show how Jordan is kind of like losing it so that when Coast City is destroyed he that's it he's broken he can't handle it it's the it's final
1: straw instead of just something that happens
0: which yeah. I, I don't think that was an edi- editorial edict but i do think it probably gave people an attitude like this could have we can do this without jordan because he's been shown to be uh not quite all there vulnerable yeah, yeah. So.
1: no it, it's really good and it's funny because i'm thinking about anything that might have stuck and uh The only thing I can think of off the top of my head is the Death of Cat Matui. I think that's the only thing that really kind of stuck.
0: Well, he and Arisia broke up, too, but... Oh yeah, that is also true. That, that was is true also too. true, but I mean, that, so, yeah. that, that was almost—they might as well have just done a drag and drop to trash with a the regional. <laughs>
2: like, they were just kind of
0: like, "Let's get her out of here. Let's move her
1: along." You know, yeah, this is getting dicey. Let's get her uh, out. Also,
0: <laughs> o- Oprah Winfrey still has a show, so that was turned out she to be She still very, is a thing in this planet. <laughs> very
1: yes. prophetic in
0: that uh, that bit <laughs> right there. I think that she probably could. She owes at least a little bit of her fame to Action Comics Weekly, don't you? Don't you think?
1: I, I think that should be in her credits. Everybody. It really should. Special be. thanks, Mike Gold and Action Comics Weekly. That would be hilarious. And, Hal and you get a ring.
0: And you get a ring. Oh boy. Um, do we want to go into the uh, the weeklies, or how do you feel about yeah. it?
1: We could, we could talk, talk a little bit a little about bit. the other weeklies here. We're not going to go deep into them, yeah. but uh, this wasn't the last time or the only time that DC would try to do weeklies. DC uh,
0: loves the idea. They they love going back to this. They well. do. And 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 as I was I was did I talk about this last week? Or was it was just you and me. Uh, there's no precedent for this. It's, it's not like there was a time that there were you know weekly comics coming out. Yeah. Uh, you know, for any publisher that were always hitting the mark. you know, that never
1: happened. Yeah, not on not on yeah. this continent anyway. No. Yeah,
0: exactly. You're right. Yes, we did. That's we did talk about it because we mentioned. In the UK, they have that, uh, but that the way yeah. the way they put that together is almost like inventory stories, right? Like they,
2: uh, they yeah, there, are, not, there
0: are serials, not, but
1: yeah, they're not weaving into a huge continuity,
2: right? right yeah.
0: Into an overall narrative. They have their own little individual uh, stories and stuff. So, uh, yeah, it's it's just so weird. They keep going back to this, but it's like you don't have to, guys. You don't have to. There's no <laughs> mark you have to hit with this, but uh, yeah. What, what are some of these that uh, we had dealt with over the years?
1: Yeah, we had a uh, 52, of course, which was uh, the first one of the modern era. I think uh, we could say
0: brought back Mark uh, which... Wade too. Mark Wade worked on this, and he worked on 52. Mark Wade was part of
1: that. Yeah. Yep. And Then we had uh, Countdown, which would become Countdown to Final Crisis, which is kind of funny if you compare that to Action Comics Weekly because they came out, they both came out kind of like as a house of fire, and then halfway through the fuel just ran out. Right. You know, it just uh, countdown to Final Crisis. stopped making sense about halfway through. You and, can, uh, to
0: be honest, you can say that somewhat, although less so about fifty-two. Also, it stumbles about three quarters of the way through, but it,
1: there is a lull. It yeah, wraps up sure. well.
0: It it does wrap up well, and that's that's what people remember. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, yeah. It actually wraps up with a with a conclusion that wasn't ignored by the event it was leading to. Right? Yeah. Because uh, like Final Crisis hit, and like that had nothing to do with it Countdown. Had nothing to do with Countdown. Yeah, and they killed the new gods like three different times that I hated year. It's like, it. I what's going it? on? Uh, when Kurt Busick and uh, Mark Bagley would do a uh, weekly called Trinity, that was uh, featuring, of course, the Trinity: Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman. That went on for a year. And I gotta tell you, unmemorable. Yeah, that's I couldn't tell you yeah. a single thing that happened in that. You said it was
0: Matt Wagner. I remember the art being cool. In oh it,
1: right? no, Matt Wagner had a uh, he had a like a prestige format miniseries called uh, Trinity, but this is a this was Bagley and Busick. Oh okay. And uh, uh, this I don't Just one. very unmemorable. Um, I mean, it had Bagley art, so it looked cool, but right. I, I couldn't tell you a single thing that happened. But this was supposed to be where the big three were during yeah. one year. That one year, that, one year that, that later. fifty-two, yeah. Yeah, if I, following uh, Infinite Crisis, the the uh, one-year-later bit. Right. And then we had uh, a trio, or, or four, actually, uh, New 52 ones. We a, had two Batman. Two Batmans, and then we had uh, Future's End, as well as, uh, what was the other one? Earth 2, World's End. Earth 2, End.
0: World's End. Uh, and I gotta say, I would not recommend
1: any of them, personally speaking. I, I liked Future's End for the first, like, ten issues,
0: All but of then them, it just fell apart. All of them kind of did not stick the landing So well, the first yeah. Batman stuck pretty well uh, mm-hmm. The second one did very poorly Opened up very good But I will say that they, that I don't believe any of them ever missed a week Which is a feat in and of itself For uh, sure. at, at least the three we just mentioned Because the fourth one yeah. is one of the worst comics I've ever read in my life So that's the other way Like, <laughs> uh, like Futures Ed has a lot of cool stuff in it, you're right And like even the first half And it, even a lot of it is really good But then it, I'd say even in the last five issues It seems to like Kind of fall apart. Uh,
2: Batman Eternal also, uh, yeah, but
0: but that World's End boy,
2: it gets it gets
0: incomprehensible about like three issues (laughs) in and never stops. And it was the longest one too. Like the other ones were like just a year or less. It was like I don't know, like forty something issues, something like that. And World's End was like sixty something issues. It was insane. (laughs) I don't know why they did that. Uh, another one you're sort of forgetting but not forgetting because not doesn't super count would be Wednesday Comics, right? That was, was weekly. that weekly? I believe oh, that it was, was weekly. weekly. Yeah. I wasn't
1: sure if that was weekly or monthly. No, that was,
0: that, I believe that was a weekly jammy. and uh, Yeah, okay. it was. And uh, that came out for a while, but that was also sort of like a 2000 AD, not really overall yeah, continuity. Yeah, like strips. Yeah, they were all yeah. like little comic strips, so that was... A separate thing, but production-wise, I'm sure it was still somebody's nightmare. You know, what I I mean? a,
1: <laughs> Sure, herding cats like nobody's business. No, definitely. Uh, now, uh, besides weeklies, DC did have more anthologies, but not not that Aven- adventure comics. That, no, that, that one never happened, folks. No. <laughs> but uh I, I, off the top of my head, I can only think of a couple for the modern era, and the first one was that horrendous Legends. Is it Legends of Tomorrow? It
0: was Legends of Tomorrow. That was one of the worst. Uh, cash grabs in recent years where they use the, oh, title, of a show the title
1: of the show to yeah. showcase
0: a bunch of t- stories that had nothing to do with I don't, think, I don't think even most of the people in the stories were on the show. For example, one of them was Sugar, Sugar and Spike, and Spike. Yeah. uh, which should really believe me, I, I should have been in love with that series. I'm one of the more upsetting things, that scratches in
1: where you itch. Yeah,
0: there's also, uh, I'd say every year though, they do a like a Valentine's Day one, you know, sure, they those do the, the
1: holiday themed Halloween, Christmas, and they have
0: yeah. that they have that workshop thing now every year. So they have, they have those new creator workshop hmm. anthologies. That's not, it's sort of the, what you're talking about, not really the same thing though. It's not a series, yeah. uh, so as far as the anthology series. I really can't think of one. I, you know, it's something I, I always love the idea of, but mm-hmm. in, in practice, it's never good. You know what I
1: mean? Because <laughs> it's funny, we talked about the price of Action Comics Weekly. It was a mm-hmm. dollar fifty compared to seventy-five cents for the other books. Sure. And uh, we looked at Legends of Tomorrow. And when we saw the price on that, it was it was $7.99, Seven, right? Seven, eight bucks, yeah, something like that. Yeah. Which, which is at the end of the day, double the price of a regular comic. So I mean, it's, it's it actually true. goes with the quote inflation of comics uh, retail. Which, but still, I mean, eight dollars for a comic book is is insane. It's ridiculous, especially when it has nothing to do with anything. Which might be a good reason why. Uh, We've got these Walmart anthologies now.
0: Yes. This this uh, is much better value for sure. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. They're uh, $5 available at... Most Walmarts? I don't know if every Walmart. I've I've heard people I've seen people online say they can't find them or they yeah. don't get carried at their
0: I, I've seen I've seen both. I've seen they can't find them or I have just so many copies that they're you know, paving that the streets not with putting them. You know. <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> that that's the way it is in my neck of the woods where I was waiting because i 'cause I'm I'm an idiot and I'm a Titans completionist, mm-hmm. so anything with Titans on it I'm gonna get.
0: Oh I got the swamp new one, I had to.
1: I, I got that one too, yeah. yeah. But uh, I was waiting for teen Titans giant number four to come out, but they wouldn't put them out because there were still tons of everything else mm. they couldn't they couldn't literally could not fit them in that in that little bin. yeah, so it's like it's like part of me wanted to like just start hiding them around the store it's like put it out <laughs> but uh, that that those are those are books I kind of feel uh, I, I kind of feel iffy about because uh I, I think. Uh, the way they're marketed is for new people, but they're definitely not marketed to new people. They are for people like me. They are for completionists who can't miss the issue. And uh,
0: I think, well, you know, I I think they might be for new people, but they're not meant to direct anyone to the comic store. You know, you true. you see those as as it's obvious. All of the books have some kind of tie into a show on the DC universe, or they are Superman or Batman, in which case, you know, there's always a reason to put those comics out. For sure. Um, And inside, what it is, is it's, it's four stories each, or five, is it?
1: It's four stories. One is going to be brand new. It's like a 10-page brand new
0: story.
1: And then reprints from different eras. Uh, And not not necessarily, like if you buy the Superman one, you're not getting four Superman stories. No, you might get like
0: Terrifics is one of them. Yeah, you're going to get like
1: Terrifics, you're going to get Aquaman, you're going to get a Green Lantern story. And they're from all different continuities, all different eras, so it's it's like, it's just a a mishmash I mean,
0: so, if you're looking to dip your toe in that's a good place and, and i could
1: definitely see and the price case, is fantastic
0: the price is perfect i could definitely see a case like when you know when you were a kid and you're going on a long trip with your mom or whatever and they'd buy for you sure. buy you a comic to shut you up Keep there, the quiet yeah it's a great one to buy so uh, i can see it being used for that but you're right it does not seem like a thing like Wow, I loved I loved reading, you know, whatever 1980s s Titans in here. Let me go to the store and be like, what the hell am I looking at? Yep. You know, who is who are these people? Like, what is happening? For sure. <laughs> so it's uh, but I, you know, I, I I can't really be angry at any attempt to, uh, broaden the to broaden the, the comics, yeah. you know. So you know, sure. even, though, even though we might not think it's uh the best, gui- most guided thing, I don't really have any better ideas. So. For sure, do what you do what you can, uh, publishers. We are hurting out here in the in the trenches, as you know. Yes. (laughs) But anyway, uh, but that really does wrap it all up for us on our Action Comics weekly look at Green Lantern. Uh, Not too soon, since this was quite a lot of work and took up an entire month. But. Uh, we would like to go back and look at the other stories. Um, yeah. Some of them are a lot shorter, as you know, like we might oh, yeah. bang out the green, the Black Canary in one episode, but Superman, obviously, or Dead Man, for whatever reason, it's going to take a much longer time. <laughs> so uh, if you would like us to jump on that sooner rather than later, or if you want to talk about Green Lantern, Weekly Comics, or anything we've discussed in this series of episodes you can write to us at Weird at gmail dot com. We do have a Patreon account over at patreon.com slash Chris and Reggie. If you like what we do and you want uh, some patron exclusive content coming out every month, please uh, feel free to donate a couple
1: of bucks. Absolutely. You can follow us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash cosmic T-Mil history. We're also on Instagram at CosmicT Mill.
0: And we're on Twitter at CosmicT Mill and I'm on Twitter at Reggie Reggie.
1: I'm at Ace Comics. You can check out our weekly writings on DC Comics and also some classic writings at, at weirdsciencedccomics.com. We're also uh, all over that podcast, or, or you're all over it. I got a couple segments.
0: We got we got a couple of them. We get in there. We elbow up in there. And, uh, we do. You can see Chris's daily writings on DC Comics every day of the week on Chris's on You review a different DC comic from any point in the illustrious history and uh, it's been a catch alls catch-can lately. I think uh, you've been going just wild in there.
1: It's true. I uh, today, I uh, as we're recording this, I did the first issue of uh, Young All Stars, which really makes me want to do an episode on it because there is just so much oh, like, that ties in. Oh, there's a lot in there, boy. L- literary tie-ins, comic tie-ins, pop culture tie-ins, World could, War II tie-ins. It's could be a big Boy uh, uh, Thomas episode too. Absolutely, yeah. it could be. A, it could be a whole thing that just. It takes over our lives but uh we'll hold off on that for a while. little while, you, little a while. Month sure. <laughs> yeah. uh, you can check out the show site that's com where you can find all of our posts all of our uh, show notes and links images all that good stuff also a chronological listing of every one of our programs that are not Patreon exclusive uh it's a, it's a good time over there it's looking better and uh
0: yeah. It's shaping it's up. and We're actually seeing some views over there. I'm having a good time with yeah, it. Uh, And while you're there, if you are doing some holiday shopping, looking to buy some T-shirts for loved ones or for yourself, think about clicking that 80stees.com banner. We are affiliated with them. And if you shop through that banner, then you will do us a favor. You'll do yourselves a mm-hmm. favor, and you will do 80stees.com some business. So... Sure. Uh I think that's all we got from this week, Chris. Is got anything else for him?
1: I think that'll do it.
0: Yeah, I think we've done four weeks of weeklies now. I feel <laughs> like, I feel like I feel like this, this year suddenly had like sixty-two weeks in it. Uh, yeah, so until next time, folks, I want you to keep it on the treadmill weekly. See ya.
3: I, I will be king. uh you You will be my queen Though nothing will drive them away We can be there just for one day We can be heroes just for one day Drink all the time for we're lovers, that is a fact. Yes, we're lovers, and that is that, though nothing will keep us together. Just for one day